Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We continue the series with David Honeyboy Edwards. Honeyboy was the last of the great Mississippi Delta bluesmen. Born to a poor but very musical family in Mississippi, his early life consisted of hard labor in the fields. But his talent took him away from all that, and his life became a journey through the pages of blues history. He was Robert Johnson's close friend and traveling companion. In fact, he was with Johnson the night he was poisoned and died in 1938. Honeyboy called many of the first-generation bluesmen both friends and collaborators. He played with Charlie Patton, Tommy Johnson, and Johnny Shines. He later played guitar behind John Lee Hooker, Big Joe Williams, and Muddy Waters. Honeyboy believed in the blues and believed in doing it without flash. He was consistently great at his role working alongside the superstars of the blues for almost eight decades. This is his story. Right after New Year's Day, 1935, Honey Boy landed in Memphis. The cold wind off the river tore through his traveling rags, and he headed up to Beale Street for something to warm up with. He was 19 years old, and all his life in Mississippi, folks said Memphis was the happening place for music. Honey Boy headed straight for Beale Street Park. There, out in the open, he saw every Memphis legend he'd grown up hearing about. Frank Stokes, Will Shade from the Memphis Jug Band, Sleepy John Estes. There was little Buddy Doyle, a red-eyed midget with a six-foot-tall wife. Buddy sat on a park bench playing his guitar, but his feet didn't reach the ground, so he just kicked his legs and bumped the bench to the beat. And then in one corner, Honey Boy spied a beautiful woman. She looked like a mermaid with shiny hair. She smiled gold teeth and carried a silver resonator guitar. It was Memphis Minnie. Honey Boy heard her playing Bumblebee like it was just for him. Bumblebee, Bumblebee, please come back to me. An old guy named Dewey, another one of the Memphis Jug Band, caught Honey Boy staring and chimed in. She's pretty good looking, but pretty rough too, boy. She like to fuss, cuss, fight. She'll drop that guitar and go turn a trick for a dollar. Dewey had threadbare clothes and bags under his eyes. He sounded as weary as he looked. That's the hard times, he said. Women will come to you and say, if you buy me a sandwich, I'll turn you a trick. Worst town you ever seen. You make it here, you make it anywhere. Honey Boy said, hell, I'm just glad we don't have to buy whiskey from a bootlegger. You want to go down to the Pantay's drugstore down the corner third and Beale, Dewey told him. Honey Boy walked in that direction and stopped at the One Minute Cafe. The place was packed, but about half the people looked like hobos just standing around. Honey Boy figured they were allowed to hang out and keep warm. He got up from his plate to grab a bottle of R.C., When he got back, not one minute later, a bum had taken his seat and started eating Honey Boy's hamburger. 
I'm hungry, the man said. It's yours, Honey Boy told me. After hitting the pantase, Honey Boy returned to the park with a few bites of food and the sweet burn of whiskey in his stomach. He jumped at the chance to jam with the Memphis Jug Band, and the old men were glad to have a fresh face as people who came to hear the new guy in town left tips in the cigar box open at their feet. Afterwards, Dewey divided out the tips. Honey Boy noticed that for every dime he got, Dewey kept a quarter. Got to pay Dewey dues to play these blues, the old man said. But Dewey was all right. He offered Honey Boy a room for the night, and the men walked off together. You held it tight for a young blood, Dewey said. I've been around, Honey replied. Ran with Big Joe Williams. Where's Joe working now, Dewey asked. Work, said Honey. I don't think he'd work in a bakery if you give him a cake every time the pan came out. Dewey laughed. Honey Boy went on. He come to Greenwood. We had a juke house there called Black Roses. He played Highway 49. And I just stood there and looked at him. I got a long woman. He said, why are you looking at me so hard? Can you play? I said, a little bit. He took a drink. I strummed one or two numbers on his guitar. Joe said, I can learn you. Just like that, me and Joe left there, hitchhiking and hoboing. I stayed with Joe eight or nine months till I got plum good. We went down through Vicksburg. He learned me how to play for nickels and dimes on the street and hustle at barrel houses. He taught me how to make it. Then Joe started drinking heavy in New Orleans, and he kept trying to fight me. I don't weigh but 110, so I slipped off and left Joe sleeping. They laughed and walked up a flight of rickety wooden stairs to Dewey's flat. Dewey introduced Honey to his stepdaughter, a beautiful young lady called Baby Peaches. Honey Boy took one look and fell for her long, curly hair. By the next morning, she had all of Honey's money that Dewey didn't get, and it was time to go back to work. At the park, the old guys from the jug band had another young fellow with them. He was tall, skinny, and had a bad eye. Honey thought he couldn't have been older than 16. His hands trembled, and when he sat down on the park bench, he swayed back and forth like he was in a rocking chair. But he could make sounds come out of that harmonica that Honey didn't know were in there. The jug band guys called him Shaky, but the gangly youth introduced himself as Walter. When Walter blew those blues, the people flocked. Old Dewey just plunked his washtub bass and watched the silver fall into the cigar box. Honey graduated from Big Joe Williams University, and it didn't take him long to see Dewey's racket. The young guys brought in more tips and were easy to take advantage of. They jammed and drank all day. Another lovely night with baby peaches and another broke morning. And Honey felt it was time to sneak off from old Dewey, just like he'd left Big Joe. He wanted to dodge Beale and maybe find someplace else to set up, like the train station. He was walking up Gayoso Street when he saw a tall, skinny boy seated on the front steps of a house, rocking. Dewey's slick, Honey told Walter. I ain't going back to him. Walter stood up brought Honey inside and introduced Honey to his mother, Miss Emma. Emma told Honey, Walter started playing when he was five years old. 
Miss Emma saw Honey's guitar and his young face and said, Walter, this is who you're supposed to play with. Why don't you quit them old people? Y'all work together, and I'll keep your money safe. She left the duo with a little advice. Run down to Front Street. The livestock brokers are bringing cows from Mississippi and Arkansas to sell. Miss Emma made her money in the hustle. She knew where the cash would be coming in. Walter grabbed his harmonica. That's all I need to carry with me, he said. Honey and Walter walked down from Gailsa Street toward the Mississippi River. They could see steamboats tied up. They watched the white men walking passels of hogs and cattle down the gangplanks to the cobblestone landing and hurry to the market house. Front Street stood tall with its row of cotton warehouses, but side streets of little alleyways had rows of one-story shotgun houses. Every streetwalker in Memphis knew it was market day, too, and Honey and Walter could barely breathe through the perfume. They played and picked up a few quarters and watched the women lead the men coming out of the livestock market to the alley. Honey and Walter followed, Honey playing his guitar, Walter moaning through that harmonica. There they found the queen of all street women, the goddess of the guitar. Honey recognized the flash of gold teeth and the silver resonator before the song hit him. After dark, they came back up Beale. The jug band had turned in by then, and the sound of Memphis Slim's piano called them to the Midway Club. They walked upstairs over a liquor store and saw Slim. I hear the blue everywhere. He had the women swaying. Honey and Walter just watched and shook their heads. Slim looked smooth at that piano, had a nice suit jacket and slick hair. But when he stood up, Honey and Walter (laughs) cracked up. His pants looked like they were made out of patches. The boys warmed their bellies and headed out. They could have kept this going forever, but Miss Emma had a plan for them. She saved their tips for a month until one day her son and his guitar-playing partner wanted to grab some of that cash. It's gone, she said. Gone, honey boy shouted. Miss Emma chuckled. I bought a couple of train tickets with it. Honey boy thought she had lost her mind. Where are you going with our money? I'm not leaving anywhere, said Emma. You two are going to Chicago. That's where Shaky and Honey boy would call home for the rest of their days. I'm going where I'm going where cross town Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.